The following program is classified N for our legal department is nervous. They want us to tell you the advice within this podcast is general in nature. We are not financial gurus. That's why we're making this show. Duh. To get advice that fits your circumstances, consult your own experts. In fact, we'd be really happy if you did. What have you spent money on in the last month that you probably didn't need to? Oh, that's a really unfair question. I've just been on holidays. <laughs> Brunches out. I bought a new phone. That was entirely necessary, though. Probably too many Ubers, actually. I spend way too much on Uber. Yeah, maybe some kind of new shoes. Their hairdresser. Swipe, 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 swipe. Facials. There's so much stuff, actually, that you could say, well, I don't technically need that. Five coffees. A new iPhone cover, colouring in books for the kids. If I had a penny for every time I used my card for a non-essential purchase, those pennies wouldn't even begin to cover the money I'm wasting. Do you fritter away your money on what feels like nothing, a thousand little things? Yeah, welcome. I'm Claire Hooper. This is The Pineapple Project, and that's why we're here, to get better at money. Last episode, we learned that people who are really good with money have a fundamental skill the rest of us lack. They know where their money's going. It's time for the B word. Those bastards. They budget. So how do we become wise like them? With the help of a budget sensei. So I guess some people would call me a bit of a budgeting guru. That's Canna Campbell. For her... Balancing the books is as soothing as raking the Zen garden. A lot of people love the feelings that it has that comes from doing a budget, understanding where your cash flow goes, because it means you can save up and pay for things and enjoy them guilt-free. It means that you can, you know that you're on track with achieving your goals. You know that you're you have that experience of feeling progress, which is, you know, so satisfying. And there's so many positive benefits that flow in from from, you know, feeling like you're actually making progress in life and you have something that's your purposeful and meaningful that you're working towards. It's like I'm hearing this, but making the jump from where I am to where she is seems really hard. It's one of those things, it's bigger in your head. So when you start doing it, you're like, why have I put off this doing this for so long? It's actually really not that hard and it's really insightful to see where my money actually goes. And once you've done the hard work and initially done your budget, to maintain it on an ongoing basis is actually really easy. All right, Guru, what do we do first? All right, so it's time to make a difference and get back in control of your cash flow and we're going to do a budget together. Step one, grab yourself a cup of tea or perhaps even, if it's the right time of day, a glass of wine. I'll get a cup of tea because I'm a real party animal. Make sure that you've got your internet banking open. Make sure that you have your credit card statements handy, your bank statements handy, as well as any pay slips. Step two is to write down all of your living expenses. Dog's joint medication, $10 a week for my daughters to put in the supermarket carousel. 50 a fortnight. Look at your mobile phone bills, your gym memberships, your coffee money, your weekend money, your groceries, your electricity, your gas, absolutely everything. Leave no stone unturned. Well, yes, you have to turn the stones in the Zen garden. 
When you are looking at each of the expenses, write down the frequency. Write down whether they're weekly, fortnightly, monthly, quarterly, biannual or annual. Write down when those bills are actually due. You then need to make sure that you make a note in your diary so that you can always plan and prepare for those bills. Note to self, buy diary. There are no nasty surprises when you suddenly open up your bills and realise your car rego and CTP is due in three weeks' time and you get that panic and head for the credit card to get out of it. This time is different. You are going to stockpile your accounts and have the cash ready to go for when that bill comes in. To make sure that you don't accidentally forget anything from your budget, make sure you're constantly cross-referencing it against your credit card statement or your bank statement because this is going to really catch you out by forgetting that you like to buy clothes or shoes or have any sort of sneaky purchases that we like to pretend never actually happened. Okay, I'm writing everything down and I'm seeing that there are a lot of coffees, but I'm a busy working mum and I need coffee for my personality. Do I have to stop spending money on coffees? <laughs> so if you love getting that coffee, that ritual of holding, you know, that warm um, mug in your hand to kickstart your day, absolutely. Just make sure it's balanced out with other expenses. So maybe skip the banana bread and muffin. <laughs> And so now that you have all this information about what your true cost of living is, you might want to enter this into an Excel spreadsheet to make it a lot easier or even maybe look at some of the budgeting apps available on your phone. And that then brings us to step three. This is where you become the traffic coordinator of your cash flow. You need to work out what money is coming in and what money needs to go out according to your diary. So you look at your fortnightly or monthly pay packet and work out how much money you need to survive until the next pay round, which is your fortnightly or monthly amount, and that goes into your everyday bank account. Ah, bank accounts, right. I'm hearing a lot of people talk about this automation thing, you know, where your money just moves around and pays bills and saves itself without you physically having to do it? I am a huge fan of automating your accounts. Keep it as simple as possible. If you can delegate having to remember to do something, just do it. Yes, have an automatic direct debit plan to pay as many bills as possible. Definitely worthwhile. I asked Kanna, as our budget sensei, What's the one thing she wishes women knew about finance? Set financial goals, please. <laughs> so many people drift through life. You know, they have might have career goals or health goals, but they forget the financial goals. Set meaningful financial goals for yourself where you look to improve your relationship with money, your knowledge and education around money, and then go and actually put the right actions behind achieving that goal. And it doesn't matter how small that financial goal is, set it and then you review it and then raise your bar each time. Oh, hang on. This sounds familiar. Wasn't this what Dr Brad told us last episode? You know, if your savings goal is a new house and you have an idea of what you want it to look like, grab a picture and put it as your screensaver on your computer. Put it on your on your cell phone as wallpaper. Ten years ago on the Oprah show, I was talking about vision boards and people were like, ah. I put a photo of Tokyo Disneyland on the inside of my wardrobe door. That is where I'm going to take the kids when the credit card debt is paid off. We're already doing it. As you guys told us on the phone, there are fridges and mirrors and phone screensavers with goals galore. 
Hi, Claire. It's Amber here, and I wanted to tell you my pineapple pledge is also to pay off my credit cards by the end of the year. I earn a six-figure salary and somehow still have credit card debt and no savings, so I'm going to pay that credit card off, and I'm going to start saving for a studio apartment in Sydney. I'm excited. Hi, Claire. My name's Jackie. I'm calling from Melbourne. My pineapple pledge is to save enough money this year to freeze my eggs so that I can protect my fertility going forward. Hey, my name's Alice Monkman and I'm saving to go visit my best friend in Canada. She moved back last year and I just, I really want to go over and visit her. So that's my pineapple pledge. I'm so proud of us. Okay, here's my take on the budgeting thing. It's like a couple of minutes of discomfort to be a whole lot more comfortable for the rest of your actual life. So here's the thing. I sat down and I did it and it really honestly didn't take that long. Like it wasn't even a whole evening. And like what's an evening racked up against the next 30 years of your miserable mortgage? So I did it. And it was, yeah, it took less time than an episode of The Handmaid's Tale. And it was considerably less psychologically distressing. I know. Can you believe it? Okay. Good news. The budget's the hard bit. Now that you know where your money's going, you might want to tighten the reins. Jodie is a woman who wants to make being frugal fun. She's so into it that she wrote the book on it, literally, and she has a website where she tries to convince other people to live more frugally. But she wasn't born that way. She used to live large. Before everything went wrong, we really lived the high life. We ate takeout whenever we wanted. We, we bought whatever car we wanted. We'd go to the video shop a couple of times a week. You know, nothing was um, off limits. We bought what we wanted when we wanted. Yeah, but then some bad shit went down. My husband and I had two babies in 12 months and during that time I was made redundant from, from work while I was pregnant after five years of IVF. So, you know, things had been tough for us financially and we were busy sort of renovating houses. And we were in the middle of building our dream home that had been sort of on the fridge for 10 years um, when the redundancy happened. And um, Hubby and I kind of worked out that if we wanted to keep the house that we only had $50 left over after paying all our bills at the end of the week to spend on groceries. So, you know, after sort of crying and punching walls and falling in a heap for sort of six weeks or so, you know, like I fell to pieces, it was um, trying to start again, really, and, and working out, OK, let's, let's give this a red-hot go and trying to live on that $50 a week. Give me an idea. Just how much did you have to slash your spending? Like, was, was like fifty dollars? Is that a quarter of what you were living on? An eighth of what you were living on? It's a fifth. We were spending two hundred and fifty bucks a week on food, and I, now I think, oh man, I couldn't imagine spending that much on food. Um, and all that sort of went out the window. So, with, on the fifty dollars a week, we went straight for like the black and gold, everything. Um, lots of lots of rice. Um, shopping at markets on the weekends to to get sort of the you know the big bundles of inexpensive fruit and veg. Um, we a friend of ours um, bred cows, and we actually put beef on lay-by to be able to afford meat at the beginning of you know winter, so we could have all that meat during you know being slow cooked, and um, that saved us a lot of money. It went down to something like seven dollars a kilo for meat, so that was that was rather good. So, but Whoa. we did 
also eat a, a little bit of vegetarian food. Um, you know, I'd try and sneak, uh, sneak in lentils and things like that that, you know, typically husbands and children don't like, but um, they're a great way of bulking things out. Oh, mate, lentils are the best. Lentils um, are great. They're the I best fake love meat. Them. <laughs> Mix them with a beef stock, and nobody even knows if there's no oh, meat. That's right. And refried beans. You know, refried beans with a bit of lentils, and they've got the same consistency as mince. You'd, you'd never know. <laughs> It's a bit gassy afterwards, that's all. Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, in fact, on that topic, what's your social life now that you like what what's it what's it like? Do your friends understand that they're going to get a lot of lentils in their lasagna when they come to visit? Um, we actually did lose um, some, some really good friends over it, unfortunately. Um, at the time, we were saving for a house, as were they, unbelievably. But we'd go to their place for, for dinner and they'd have like a really fancy, you know, piece of $40 pork or, you know, a bottle of verve. I didn't even know what verve was, you know, like really, really fancy. And it was lovely, don't get me wrong. But when they came to our place, like all we could afford to stay on our budget was the spaghetti bowl and some like, you know, fruit cup cordial, um, which was the best that we could do at the time. And they really resented that, um, even though they knew sort of what we were trying to achieve. And at the end of the day, I didn't care whether we went to their place and had two minute noodles. It didn't mean anything to me, but it must have meant something to them. And unfortunately, we haven't spoken to them since that happened. So that was a really, really long time ago now. But um, I'm you know, yeah, it's really sad that and at the end of the day, I kind of think, well, you know, if they're going to be like that, then they're not really our friends. So maybe they sort of did me a favour. But it really did hurt deeply at the time. Yeah, I guess, you know, you look at it as you're, you're slashing your spending and cutting out some of the dead wood at the same time. Aren't oh, you? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you've got to do what you've got to do for your family. You know, your family comes first. Do you think it's a bit psychologically hard? Like, were you suited to this? Because surely not everyone could live that frugally. Um, no, and I still don't really think I'm suited to be frugally, but I I had my eyes on the prize and I suppose I made a game of it too. Like I thought, okay, this is the only way I could do it mentally. Like, okay, if I can save $10 today, I'm going to save 15 tomorrow. And, you know, just tried to beat myself every single day into just getting better and better at it. And then always gave, gave myself a treat at the end of the week because I think life is cruel if you don't have a treat. So, you know, I'd have like a, a picnic bar or a balanty bar at the end of the week like, yeah, Job well done, Joe. It's well done. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's really important that, like, if you've done it, you know, give yourself a pat on the back. A lot of people think a treat is a new pair of shoes. So you are <laughs> you're teaching us a lot today. <laughs> no, no. As much as I love shoes, and I do, you know, had to still it still had to sort of fit within. But at least it was something. Well, if your grocery budget is fifty dollars a week, what is your fashion budget? Um, I've always bought my stuff on eBay and I must admit, even now I still do. It's so addictive though. I think, you know, you, my watch list is huge and it hits every 7pm. 7, 7 I get that watch list. And I'm like, oh, do I really need it? Do I really need it? And I'm like all girls. Like, I love clothes and shoes and perfumes and, you know, skincare. I love all that stuff. But, you know, it's just got to be a priority and or save it for birthdays and Christmas. Jodie and I talk for absolutely ages, but I feel like I need kind of a week with her just to get more of a grasp on the actual reality of her life. Because seriously, $50 a week on groceries. Do you, like, what are you, are you fishing out of bins? She's not. She's not fishing out of bins. But still, like, I, I kind of think her competitive nature is why she can do it so hardcore. 
I'm not entirely sure if I'm made for her level of sacrifice, maybe because I call it sacrifice instead of budgeting. Oh, I've got deep problems. So I ask her, hypothetically, if I were to meet someone who were a hot financial mess, what little nuggets of frugal wisdom would she give them? I'm asking for a friend. The first one is check out your pantry and your freezer for what you have already. You'd be shocked at how much food is in there already. Um, I went from a chest freezer to an upright freezer. I found a five-year-old ham. Like, don't eat that. But know what you've got. Um, A really good tip is to use a white marker and put on the front exactly what you have so that you know and use that up first. I have a bright pink basket in my fridge. And every time that there's an item in my fridge that's getting really close to the use-by date, you know, things like, you know, your lettuce or, you know, how things go to die in your bottom drawer. You put these in the basket before they die. And every time you go to the fridge to make something to eat, you must use what is in the basket first. Since I've been doing that, I haven't had to throw anything out because it's it's totally used up. Okay, whiteboard marker, basket in fridge. Mine's blue. Hope that's okay. Tip two, always meal plan. Write down what you're going to eat in the next two weeks, but don't be anal about it. Like, don't say, like, Monday I'm going to have spaghetti, Tuesday I'm going to have curried sausages, but have a good idea of what you're going to buy and eat for the next two weeks. Like, you know, if little Johnny's got um, baseball practice of an afternoon, you're not going to be home till eight. Make sure that you've got something in the freezer that's easily transportable and easily eaten on the go. So it's really, really easy to meal plan. And that way you know exactly what you're going to buy when you go to the supermarket. And uh, another tip is to always be prepared when you're leaving the house. Um, My boys are always thirsty. So I have bottles of water in my bag, in their bag, in the car. So we're not buying uh, bottled water on the run. Uh, We try and incorporate all our trips at one time. So we're not in and out of town three or four times a day, which is wear and tear on the car and it's fuel and, you know, all those other little things. So sort of prepare your week and know exactly you know, within reason, where you've got to go and when and prepare it accordingly. And take snacks because kids always need snacks. Mm. Yeah, yeah, the kids need snacks. Mm. Tip three would be to buy your meat on lay-by. You can do it. You just, like, bypass all the shopping centres and go straight to the farmers. They love it because you're coming direct to them. You're putting money in farmers' pockets. You're getting great bang for your buck. Um, and, you know, just stash it with a freezer or go halves or quarters with your parents or your in-laws or, or something like that because it's a really, really great way to save a lot of money. Ooh, I bags the rump. Uh. Tip four, make your own washing powder. It is really easy to make it at home. You just get some Lux flakes, boiling water, you beat the crap out of it, you let it settle, you beat it again, and honestly, one little like $5 box of Lux flakes will make you six months' worth of laundry powder if you make it a great big bucket. Oh, my God, washing powder. Oh, my God. Washing powder's the best. I had... Um, Add a little bit of um, eucalyptus oil to make it smell beautiful. But I'd like, it's been fantastic. I don't buy that expensive stuff anymore because it worked out something like to be 75 cents a wash and I do a lot of washing. What are Lux Flakes? Don't they only exist in old 1950s commercials? Are they a, real, are they a thing? <laughs> no, you can still buy them at the shops. They're just like right at the bottom or right up the top hidden because hardly anyone buys them. But they're great for making your own. Or if you can't find them, just get sunlight soap and grate it. But if you put what? it into a great big container and the, the key is you need to 
beat the crap out of it with your blender and it just it beats it into a beautiful consistency and you only need like two tablespoons to put in your washing machine and it cleans like a dream. Oh, Tip five, go through your drawers and check your insurances. You know, never stay loyal to an insurance company. Every single year, shop around because they give great deals to new customers. So if you're a new customer every year, you're going to get those, you know, that free $200 voucher to something or, you know, shopping around, make sure it's right for you. But don't remain loyal to insurance companies. They don't give a crap. They are amazing tips. That's like, you really punched me in the face with all of them. I love it. <laughs> I'd love it. <laughs> Okay, but seriously, tell me you didn't just learn heaps from Jody Allen. I'm coming away with, with like a really good sense that there's better ways to do things. Like, do cut your cut your rich friends out of your life. Like, hang out with the people that are happy to drink cordial, right? They're your true friends. I'm inspired. I'm inspired to try and cut my grocery bill further because I would have told anyone that we were living on the smallest possible amount of money, 200 bucks a week, and I realise now that we are going to try cutting 30 bucks a week off because surely that's possible. That's still, that's still more than three times what Jodie lives on. So 30 bucks a week, 30 a week over a, like 52 weeks in a year, 30 times... That's 1560 a year, Claire. Guys, meet sensible Emily. She's here to make finance sexy. Sensible. Sensible. Sensible Emily. She packs her lunch. She never runs out of toilet paper. She's so sensible. I'm actually a finance reporter with the ABC. Yeah, 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 that's what I said. She's our sensible, stable, fiscal core. Claire, it's really great that you're thinking about how to cut down your weekly grocery spend. But like Jody said, you could actually be looking at minimising some of your other really big expenses. Things like your mortgage, your electricity, your insurance, even phone bills. And all it takes is a few phone calls. And it's actually called the lazy tax. And it's a bit harsh, but it's because you're too lazy to ring up and ask for a better deal. Don't you say that to my face. To my face. I did it a few weeks ago. I got my car insurance bill and it was pretty high. So I rang them up and asked for a better deal and I got 60 bucks off and that's a yearly bill. So 60 bucks off and it was about $900. So it was a pretty good phone call. Oh, you're going to make me do it. I sure am. But I'm going to tell you what to say. The main things to remember are you're a loyal customer and they're going to lose money if you leave. Tell them what you're currently paying and ask them for a better deal. And don't be afraid to ask to speak to a manager or a supervisor. And if the deal you get given isn't good enough, you can get the quote in an email and do some research and call them back. You don't have to accept it on the phone straight away. Okay, you've given me a lot to remember. How am I going to remember all this? Claire, I've brought you a script. Hooray! And this could save you a lot of money. This is all about negotiations. So stay calm, stay polite and channel Erin Brockovich. I always do. So what bill do you want to get a better deal on? (laughs) All of them. Alrighty, let's get dialing. Okay, you can do this, Hooper. Okay. To purchase, recontract or relocate a service, press 1. How can I help you? Hi there. Um, Look... I'm calling to see, I've been a customer for about sort of 10 years and um, I'm wondering if there's a better fit for me. What I can do is I can put you to a customer service team and they can have a look and see what they can do for you. Hi, are you there? 
ASMR. Oh, yeah, right. Sorry, I just wasn't. No, no, it's okay. It went very quiet. Thank you for calling. How can I assist? Oh, hi. Um, so I'm hoping you can help. I've got an account. And may I have your name? Of course. Claire Hooper. Can I have your complete name and your billing address? So it's Claire Hooper. Can you name me the birth place? Claire Hooper. Uh, what's your name? Claire Hooper. Hold on, please. Okay. We expect a team member will be with you in the next 15 minutes. I'll just uh, get someone from that team. There's just like um, a waiting time of approximately 10 minutes, yeah? That's fine. I'm just going to put you in hold for like 10 minutes, okay? <gasps> oh, my God, they hung up on me. Oh, my God, they hate me. Ugh. No, Claire, this is just their job. All you're doing is asking for a better deal. They're kicking a voodoo doll under their desk the whole time they're talking to me. No, this is business. Just remember, these are highly competitive markets and they want your business. You're in control here, Claire. Stick to your guns. And remember, if you threaten to take your business elsewhere, they'll often offer you a better deal. So call them back. All right, I'm going back in. I've got my script. What's the best deal you can do for me? Can you improve your offer? I'd like to speak to your supervisor. No one hangs up on Claire Hooper. I was wondering if you can offer me any sort of change in my contract. I think I'd, I think I'd rather go elsewhere. Okay, that's okay. I understand what you mean. Um, let's go ahead and check the options. Are you sure you can't just tinker with my current account? I stand to gain so much if I move elsewhere. Now let me check what we can offer to you. I don't feel like I've really achieved anything except that I'm more certain I'm going to go find something else. We do have this other team. Uh, they call themselves the retentions. What they do is they try to retain customers who may have some signs of leaving and who may not be happy with their current service. Um, and, you know, to stop them for, from leaving, that other team may be able to you know, provide something uh, better or special. That um, seems like a good idea because I've paid so much extra for a year. I'm very interested in talking to someone else if there's anything they can do to keep my custom. Yeah, sure. I'll just uh, get someone from that team. Thank you. And um, thanks so much for your help today. You want polite and patient? You got polite and patient. That's right. Show me the money, buddies. Show me the money, Emily. They showed me the money. Yeah, we did it. Okay, so I actually did a few of these. Let's take stock. We, we tried phone, electricity, health insurance, car insurance, and I got a broker to do my mortgage. But we actually had a really good success rate in the end. I will say, though, it took so much more time than I expected. If you don't have the time or the emotional energy, you can get a broker to do the hard work for you. And you've just got to be aware that they do get a commission. But if you want to have a crack at it yourself, that script from choice is on our website, abc.net.au forward slash the pineapple project. So, Claire, how much do you think you've saved? Okay, conservatively, over six grand a year. That's a European holiday. I wish it was. Actually, it just makes my budget look a lot better. Well, since you brought it up, let's go back to your budget for a minute. Here's some homework for everyone. I want you all to do your budget this week. I recommend the Money Smart Budget. It's an Australian government website and it's free. And it's great because it's easy to understand and all you have to do is plug in your numbers. They do all the hard work for you. They annualise those bills. 
and we've popped it on our website. We'll put a link in the show notes or you can find it at moneysmart.gov.au. So sit down with a glass of wine or a cup of tea and just do it and think of it as a finance party. If you've got a partner, bring them along and if not, just have a finance party of one. And because it's a party, I've put together a Spotify playlist that will get you in the mood. Oh, oh. It's called Sensible Emily's Finance Party. Are you who, did you make it up? Yeah. Is it the Sensible cool. Emily like theme song over and over and over? Working till five, no. what a way to make living. That is so nerd. What it, couldn't be more it, inspiring? Emily, is your, is your finance playlist, um, is it just you singing all the songs? Money, money, money. Must be funny in a rich man's world. Or you could come on, Claire. Listen to your money, own money, money. music if you want as well. You probably oh, have great funny. taste. Sensible. Thanks, sensible Emily. Okay, what have we learned? One, you've got to write it all down. Two, that'll stop you wasting money. And three, sure, it's great to be aware of the little things, but you can save more money by gritting your teeth and making a phone call. You've got the script. Now press pause on Netflix, go and do your homework, and if you want, call me from your finance party of one and tell me how it's going. Oh, the number's 07 5414. Hi, Claire, it's Emily here. I'm ringing from my finance party. I'm having an awesome time. Or get in touch on pineapple at abc.net.au. I'm Claire Hooper and I'm getting better with money. Aren't I sensible, Emily? I'll be watching you. (laughs) Get ready for this. (laughs) On the next episode. You've got to hustle for it, Hoot. Get on it. Do me a solid and tell me what you got paid. So this is what hostage negotiators say, right? right? <laughs> From side hustles to nailing that pay rise, it's all about how to earn more. Work is a transaction. You are giving your labour in exchange for money. Back yourself. Get in there. you got to go for it. You're in business. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or hear it now on the ABC Listen app. The Pineapple Project's executive producer is Monique Bowley. I bloody love Fruit Cup Cordial. I do not know what their problem was. Consulting producer and bastion of common sense is Emily Stewart. (laughs) The program is produced by Rachel Fountain. Hello, Angus Stud Farms. I just wanted to inquire about lay-buying some cows. And script consultant, Justine Kelly. Did Jodie say to put the blender lid on? Bloody Lux flakes everywhere. And mixed by Kerry Dell and Melissa May. Where's Emily's party? Kelly Reardon is the manager of ABC Audio Studios. Who racked up 150 bucks on the company credit card buying Studley rumps and Lux flakes? This is a production of ABC Audio Studios. Work it out.